on there. Hey, everybody. How are we doing? Good, good, good. Hey, um, a couple of years ago, I had the chance to do something on my bucket list. I know. I'm too young to have a bucket list. But it's uh, this thing that I'd always wanted to do. I don't know if you've ever had this experience where, like, you just happen into these situations where something that's always been on your mind becomes possible for you. Um, I grew up water skiing in, like, a family that had a boat and would always go up on Saturdays to the lake. And it sounds really bougie. It's not. Um, and I just, I, I, loved, I loved the water. Uh, but one thing that I always wanted to do was um, be able to, like, barefoot water ski. It was always like a dream of mine. And, and um, about 10 years ago, I was taking a trip uh, down to Bull Shoals, Arkansas. And uh, the guide, one of the guides that was uh, on our trip, he, he uh, had this boat. And I looked at him, I was like, hey, that's like a serious boat. That's, that's, like, a, that's like a world-class ski boat. And he's like, oh, yeah, do you like it? And I was like, well, yeah. I mean, it's an insane boat. He goes, well, it's just, it's an old thing that I've had around for a while because I used to be a pro barefoot skier. I was like, no way. And I kind of shared with him my experience. And before I knew it, he was, he was handing me a barefoot water ski suit. It's like this padded suit. And um, now I'm, I'm slender, uh, but I was even skinnier 10 years ago. And it didn't really fit me, but I didn't care. I was like, I'm going to try this thing out. And after a, a crash course in, uh, in, in barefoot water skiing, guys, this is what happened right here. Now, don't get distracted by my Michael Jordan face. What, what you can't see down here is um, ab absolute nothing between me and the water. Now, listen, everybody. I've been skydiving, cliff jumping. I've been off of the blue slide at the Great Wolf Lodge. You know what I mean? <laughs> this was one of the most incredible experiences of my entire life, being able to just stand on top of water, have a, a boat pull me, and to uh, glide. Nothing in between me and the water, just... just, just barefoot skiing. Um, I, uh, I learned a couple terms while I was working with this guy. Uh, he, he, he broke down the science of it once I jumped in the boat because he was like, hey, how'd that feel? And I was like, that was an incredible experience. Like, I, I didn't think that was even possible. I mean, I've watched people do it. I just didn't think I could do it. And, and he said to me, well, you know, the reason it works. And I was like, man, I don't really want the reason it works right now. I just know that it works. But he goes, the reason it works is because um, surface tension of water increases as you take surface area and push it over a greater speed and distance. And I, like the, the, my eyes rolled to the back of my head when he said all these words because I was like, man, it's been a long time since I've been in a science class. But he said, well, just think about it this way. If all you got is a little bit of like your heel sticking into the water, um, to make sure that that heel has a firm footing underneath it requires a bit of tension, which means our boat has to go super fast. And it was going super fast. It was going 44 miles an hour. And, and he said, um, that's why I actually, as a driver, pick out a really long straightaway that's got to be perfectly smooth because at this speed, uh, one slight movement really throws you off course. And so we want to make sure that you have the best chance possible of being safe. And then he said this thing. He said, what's crazy about skiing is, is, is that as you create tension, as you create tension, the way that you move up and move forward is not by releasing the tension, but by increasing the tension. He said, if you want to move forward, you got to go a little faster. If you want to move forward, you got to pull back a little harder. And it was at this moment of this sort of like science uh, explanation as to what I had just done that this guy, his name was Higgins. Higgins stopped talking to me about like physics and started talking to me about my soul. 
because I started hearing these words from this man who is a, a legendary skier, not about skiing, but about what it meant for me to move forward in my life with God. I started hearing him say to me, if you wanna, if you wanna move forward, you gotta go a little faster. If you wanna move forward, you gotta lean back a little harder. You gotta lean into the tension in life. You gotta lean into the tension in life. Now, um, that, that's just where I wanna settle for today. I wanna talk to you about some tensions that we feel in this life. And counterintuitively, what we find out about tension is that when we lean into it, when we actually lean away from the boat as opposed to leaning towards the boat, when we lean away from it, we find that there's this productivity to tension. There's this way that we can use tension in this life that actually God designed us to be in tension and not without tension. And, and, and to show you this, I want to go to the life of Jesus. You know, that's kind of what we do around here at Heartland is we kind of uh, talk about our daily lives and what it really means for us to follow Jesus. But we want to do so in a way that's honest to the way that Jesus lived his life. And there's, this, there's, there's a story in Jesus' life that you don't even have to be a church person to maybe have heard this story. It's a story. I'll just give you the headline of the story. The headline is um, Peter walked on water. Or as I would say, Peter barefooted. <laughs> no? Just me. It's fine. Me and Peter are in a club of our own. You, you know that story, the story when Peter walked on water. That's what I want us to talk about today. And I want to show us that, that this is a story that actually is all about surface tension. This is a story, more accurately, that should surface some tensions about what it means to follow Jesus in our lives. Now, now, I don't really, you, you maybe know the story, but you maybe don't know exactly what's happening around the story. Just to get us into it, um, I want to remind you, Jesus has just fed 5,000 people along the shore. And, and, and we pick up this story uh, from Peter and, and Jesus and the disciples right here when Jesus has just done this amazing miracle and the crowds are pressing in on him, trying to get more and more and more out of Jesus. It's growing late in the day. Notice what Jesus does sort of the, to start this. Immediately. Just done a huge miracle. And immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. I don't know. Um, I wasn't around at Woodstock, but I imagine that, like, some of the performers had to have, like, emergency evacuations from that area. They're so popular. People want to be so close to him. It's kind of just a free-for-all. And, and, and if you were a performer, wouldn't you want a little bit of security? And just a little bit of what Jesus is doing. He's seeing the crowd sort of pressing in and saying, hey, you guys get on that boat. Go meet me over here. I'll be fine. I'm going to dismiss the crowds. I'm going to put them, sort of calm them down. And then I'm going to go pray. And so that's what he did. After he had dismissed them, he went up to a mountainside by himself to pray. You know, just as an aside, I think it's really uh, humbling to think about all the times that Jesus would get alone from the noise, the, the distractions of life, maybe all of the ex energy that he has expended just to talk to his dad, just to talk to his father. I wonder, um, you know, in this particular day that Jesus had fed 5,000, he had also heard some really disturbing news. His cousin, someone that he really loved, John the Baptist, had been killed he started the morning with that news and then he had this crowd find him and he fed them and did this miracle and they wanted to in in install him as a king and he had to turn them down and send them away. And I think about all of the emotions that Jesus must have gone through on this one particular day. And the way that he chose to handle those emotions and the highs and the lows of this one particular day was to get away by himself and pray. 
I don't know how you end your days. I don't know how you start your days. But for Jesus to get alone, to talk to his dad, to go up on a mountain, to take time out, to pray is a really, really important thing. And then look at this. So, so then later that night, uh, he was on the mountainside alone. And the boat, remember, he had pushed his disciples out on a boat. I don't think Jesus actually pushed them. I think they probably did their own thing. But, but they went out. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land. The Greek word there is the word stadium. It's, it's like this, this determined unit. It's like football fields away from land. Jesus couldn't necessarily see them. It was so far out there. But it was so far away. And then notice this, that the, that the boat was buffeted by the waves. That, that means like it was being stalled. It was being pushed in upon by the waves. That, that this boat wasn't going anywhere because the wind was against it. The wind was against it. And attention sort of surfaces here for me. I mean, I think about this from the disciples' perspective. They've been sent by Jesus with a mission to, quite simply, go to the other side. That's all he said. Just go to the other side. There are a bunch of fishermen, a bunch of boaters. They should be able to go to the other side. Jesus says, go ahead. I'll catch up. Go on ahead of me. And so they go ahead. And as they're going ahead, they face the storm. The wind picks up. And the boat slows down. And they realize that Jesus had just sent them into a challenging situation. Here, here's the tension that the surfaces in my heart. Is that Jesus will send me, but he'll also let me stall. Jesus will send you forward, but he also lets you stall. These disciples were sent with a purpose, with a mission, but, but they were also sent into a situation that wasn't going to grant them very much progress. I don't like to work against the weather. Um, I, I love spending time on the water. If you haven't figured this out from me already, um, a couple of years ago, I took a paddleboard onto Lake Michigan on the Michigan side of it. Um, it was a pretty windy day. Growing up around the Chicago area, I kind of felt like, yeah, this is nothing. Lake Michigan's not an ocean. I mean, certainly I could paddleboard off the shore. And um, I took my paddleboard and I put it in and I pushed out maybe 100 feet from the shore. And I tried to just go scope out some of the shoreline, but the waves were, were pushing so hard that as I looked, there was a little bit of like a, 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 a fixed concrete structure to the shoreline from me. And I was using it as a reference point and I started, started really just like pushing hard just against the waves, against the wind, and realized that for every two strokes I went forward, I went two strokes backwards. The net effect of this was that I wasn't going anywhere. And so I would try harder and harder and harder and harder. And I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't getting anywhere. What happens in these moments, I'm sure you've had these moments in life too, is that you start realizing you know, for all the frenetic energy that you're putting out, for all the investment that you're making, you're not seeing any progress. And what happens is you start to hate the wind, don't you? You start to paddle and you go, if it wasn't for this wind, I'd be doing really good right now. If it wasn't for this, I'd be really making my goals. If it wasn't for this situation, I'd really be making progress. And I, I think um, we can be angry at the things in life that challenge us. See, Jesus had sent the disciples ahead, but he didn't send them into smooth waters. He made them instead face the wind. This is a tension that I don't think many of us expect to face when we come to Jesus. Isn't it true, maybe, maybe you're naive like I am, that 
when you came to Jesus, you thought that it meant smooth sailing. You thought that what it meant was you had a sweet boat with a pro driver and all the equipment that you needed with a long stretch of water that was perfectly glass for you to do your thing upon. But, but when you started following Jesus, you found out that there was a lot of resistance to him. There was a lot of situations in your life that started popping up that really you didn't know what to do with. And it actually felt like, like maybe you misheard Jesus in the first place. Maybe he said, don't go on the water. I'll stay here and get with you in a second. Maybe you start to second guess yourself in the midst of your trajectory, in the midst of your travels, because you go, and certainly if Jesus was with me, it wouldn't be going like this right here, right now. But, but there's a word in the story that Matthew writes in there, Matthew being one of the guys in the boat, that he wants us to see. It's the third word of this entire story. I just want to show it to you. Immediately, Jesus, say this with me. He made the disciples get into the boat. I think about that like a parent, you know, like, like you will do this or else. Jesus made them get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. Why? Why does Jesus send them into the waves? Why, why does Jesus allow them to feel demoralized in the midst of their travels? Why does Jesus sometimes let the disciples stall? Why does he let me stall? Why does he let his church sometimes stall? Why does he send us out with excitement, out of the miracles that he's done, into the future, believing that he's going to do more of those, only to find out that we are suspended in the midst of the sea? Have you ever felt like that before? Like, like Jesus certainly... Certainly, I feel like you're calling me to something greater and I feel like all I am is just churning up water going nowhere right now. I think here's a better question. What if this journey actually depended upon the stall? What if Jesus' whole intention for them in this moment was to get out into the middle of a place where they couldn't change anything. You see, it's possible that though he sent you and the wind beats against you, that you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Do you hear that? It's possible following Jesus, this is one of the great tensions of following Jesus, it's possible that the, though he sent you and the winds are keep preventing you from going forward, that, that, that he hasn't left you, but you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Decades later, this guy Peter, who we're going to see what he does in a second, he, he would write to all the churches that are surrounding the sea, along the shore of the sea, he would write these words. He would say to them, do not be surprised by the trial when it comes against you as if something strange were happening to you. Something strange and ridiculous actually does happen next here. I want to show it to you. Um, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Now, how many people think that's just kind of incredible? Right, I mean, like, you don't have to be a, a, a Jesus follower. you like, that's crazy. It's not barefoot skiing. That's just, like, something else. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were appropriately terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. I have this mental image of, like, the disciples being these big, burly men screaming like little babies. <laughs> right? Don't you have that picture? But immediately, here's what, here's what Jesus, immediately Jesus said to them, take courage, like, come on, y'all, 
just me. Don't be afraid. Now, uh, something I read about this, uh, this, this story this week in one of the books that I read to help me understand these things and, you know, nothing. Um, as a pastor, uh, I just have been given four years of education on how to read other people's works and help you understand it. That's, that's what a pastoral <laughs> degree will get you. As a, as a, one of those books this week that I read um, shared with me something I didn't know. I didn't know that um, the Jewish people actually had a bit of a superstition. Um, it wasn't uncommon for them to be out and about late at night. Um, but once the sun would go down and in the evening times and in the middle of the night particularly, if you were walking on the street and you were a Jewish person, you would never say hello to the people walking by, even if they were some of your best friends. Because the Jewish people believed that um, at nighttime, if you saw someone, it could actually be a demon disguised as a friend. Now, I don't, we don't live like that, right? Like we don't have that type of a, we don't have that type of a perspective. But if that was their MO on land, that on land they wouldn't say hi to people who are walking by. Can you just put yourself in the boat for a second, in the middle of a lake, and, and if you've got that MO, just thinking about seeing somebody walk by your boat in the middle of a storm, and you already are afraid that on land you're gonna see demons, what are you gonna think? You're gonna go, not talking to that guy. And so I don't know if you noticed it, but the disciples are just like, And then some guy, some poor guy from the back goes, oh my gosh, it's a ghost. And, and, and Jesus, knowing what they're thinking, just, just, just meeting them in the midst of it, just knowing how strange this was, said, hey guys, take courage, it's me, it's Jesus. Uh, don't be, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Jesus tries to calm them down, but does it work? The wind and the waves are all around them and now a ghost has joined the scene. And his presence doesn't actually seem to increase their comfort. It actually agitates them even more. Do you notice that? I think this is incredibly ironic. Because if we look back at the verse, it's before dawn that Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Which means that while they were still in the midst of the wind and the waves, and they were struggling out against the sea, Jesus was already walking on the water before they were even aware. Do you hear that? They were stuck in the midst of the sea, trying to battle their way forward. And, and, and while they're in the midst of their struggle, Jesus is already walking their way. They just have no idea that he's coming. I want to say it, I want to say it this way. Here's, here's the tension that, that I, I want to say. That, that Jesus stands on the waves, but he doesn't stop the storm. That before they're even aware, Jesus is standing on the thing that they're fighting against. He's standing on their ad adversity. He, he's standing victorious above the thing that is causing them so many problems, but they don't know that he's already victorious over the thing that's, that's causing them so many problems. Sometimes Jesus lets you wrestle the thing that he's already beaten. He hasn't shown you that he's beaten yet, but he lets you fight it. And I don't know about you, but I kind of wish Jesus would just stop the waves the moment that he beats the waves. That if he can walk on the water, that he do himself the favor by giving himself some barefoot glass. By, by, by just saying, Jesus, if you're so victorious over this, why do I got to be pummeled by the situations in life that I can't seem to get any tractions again, that's keeping me back from really accomplishing the purpose that I feel that you called me to? God, if you're already over this thing, why don't I feel it? 
He stands on my adversity, the thing that's gutting my heart, the fear that's growing inside of me. Jesus already has complete control over. But he doesn't stop the storm. So uh, Friday uh, was a storm in our community, right? Are we all in the same moment today? I mean, really. Um, Friday was a day where um, our pastoral text thread here at Heartland just was blowing up like crazy, hearing news and reports out of Olathe East and some of our pastors were on the ground at the school. Some of our pastors were on the ground in other schools. Uh, many of our people were making calls in and out to kids who attend here. And there was a sense in the air, if you were watching the news reports or watched, following on social media or just even had a, had a child who was texting you from their school, there was a sense in which this was a little bit of chaos, wasn't it? I actually wrote this message on Thursday. And then Friday happened. And I wondered if I should change the whole message. It's like one of the most spiritual things pastors do is say like, you know, I was gonna say this, but God told me to say something else. You know what, I was gonna say this and God said you should say this. Because, because as we went through Friday, as we heard the reports and we understood more of the situation and, and the deepest fear inside of most of our hearts was brought to surface. Many of us wondered, why would, why would God allow such a thing to happen right here in the high school that's closest to our church, in the place where many of our students attend, where some of you work? Why? I think our sense of security was stolen on Friday, wasn't it? I even wondered if I should rewrite most of this message because of just the situation. I didn't want to appear calloused or insensitive to this moment. And as I was praying over this, I felt the tension surface even stronger in me that while this doesn't feel good, I know this is very true for us to know. We wish that we had smooth sailing today, but it's really true that we're in choppy waters as a community, as parents, as students, like we know what the disciples felt that day. We knew, we, we know today what, what it, they must have known back then to be fearful and uncertain about what was going on. And the promise of Jesus to his disciples, one that Brad led us through in communion is, is simply this, that in this world you will have trials. In this world you will have Tension. In this world, you will have the, the word, some Bibles say tribulations, which is like this really awful, like the Bible equates that to the pains of labor. And there's this tension in my heart. God, what do we do when we're in the midst of the waves? What do we do when we don't see that you're already standing on top of the thing that we're battling against? The thing is to look to Jesus. He says, but take heart. I have overcome 
the world. Take heart, I've overcome the tension. Take heart, I've overcome the tribulation. We look to Jesus because there he is closing the distance between our boat and himself, walking upon the thing that is causing us so much trial and turmoil and, and disheartening inside of us. He's not far away. Though it's nighttime and we can't exactly see him perfectly through the fog and we can't exactly see who he is because of some of our fear, he is here standing on top of the adversity that we feel today. And we see that he's been standing on top of it long before we were even aware of it. And you know, I think it's kind of providential. That means that God has seen before we've seen. I think it's providential that today, when we set out to map out this, this journey of what we were gonna teach, we, we did this back a long time ago. But today, God would have us look at this story as a community. I think it's providential for us because for all of us, the, the idea of driving through a drop-off line tomorrow. For our students of walking back into a building. For our administrators and our teachers. For showing up to another day in the classroom. For the hugs that you'll give your kids before the day begins they all kind of feel a little heavier today, don't they? They all kind of feel a little bit more important today, don't they? And this is why I think for such a weekend as this is because though the disciples were sent and they were stalled, and though Jesus was standing upon the thing that threatened their very safety, this story shows us how to take a step we've never taken before. This story in Jesus' life shows us something that should be really comforting to us. Let me, let me show it to you. So, um, Lord, if it's you, Peter replies to this ghost, tell me to come to you on the water. I think Peter is kind of saying like, hey, I, I'll do the thing that you're doing if you're really Jesus. But if you're not, I think I'm not going to be able to do it. So tell me to come to you and I'll come. And in this all-access series that we've been teaching about over the past five weeks, we've just been looking at this one word that Jesus says to multiple different people. And look at how, how, look at how Jesus invites Peter into the midst of the storm with him. He just says, come, Peter, join me out here on top of the waves. Get out of the boat that you think is kind of helping you get forward and moving and keep giving you safety and trust in me. Come. I'll show you how to have mastery over your fears. I'll show you how to walk on the thing that you cannot walk upon. I'll show you how to do the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. I'll show you if you would just come. And <clears throat> I love Peter because he does the thing that I would never do. I never would have gotten on the boat. Would you have gotten on the boat? I never would have gotten on the boat. But Peter got down out of the boat and he walked on the water and came towards Jesus. I... That's one of the most incredible things. You know, millions of messages have been given about this one moment in history. But I think today it carries new meaning for, for us in this community. For some reason that night, Peter saw a new possibility that was possible for himself. The rest of the disciples didn't see this, this possibility. They didn't process this event in light of their worldview and because of their humanity. People don't walk on water. Therefore, this is a ghost. That's what they thought. But Peter saw Jesus on the water strolling, not struggling, 
And he sensed the invitation of Jesus to do what Jesus does, which is also to walk victorious over the waves. So he asked Jesus, will you prove to me that you're with me? Will you invite me onto the water? And Jesus simply says to him, yes, I'll do that, come. Now I think this is the greatest invitation that Jesus gives to all of his followers, to join him in doing the thing that he does, to experience a new reality and to reframe the chaos all around me. Peter looks at the waves and said, they don't look too scary from this boat. Now that I see you, Jesus, walking upon them. And so Peter takes a step that he had never been able to take in his entire life before. He leaves the boat. He walks on the water with Jesus. He took a step of faith, a step that probably went against his intuition, that probably went against what his heart was beating faster. And he took a step into the chaos and he stood upon the chaos too. And you know what I find to be the most remarkable about this? Is that Peter didn't walk onto the water when it was calm. He walked onto the water when the waves were still raging. When the boat was still stalling. When they were still afraid. I think that's the lesson for us right here, right now. It's just simply this, is that we walk on the water when the waves are raging. Maybe the events of Friday haven't really touched your family or your life. You feel them with our community because you're a part of the community, but maybe, maybe, maybe you have different waves crashing in on your life right now that are so big that problems outside of your home aren't really registering on your radar right now health concerns, relationship concerns, financial concerns, all have been pressing in upon you and you don't know where to go with them. You don't know if Jesus is with you in the midst of them. What we learn from the story is that we don't wait for Jesus to calm the storm to get out of the boat. We go when the waves are still pounding ferociously and our heart is still beating quickly and we don't know if he's gonna catch us. I think it's in the midst of the struggle and uncertainty and fear that Jesus invites us to experience his presence and his power. I think it's in moments like this right here, right now, that we have an opportunity to be carried by God into new steps of faith. I, I can't shake. I've been thinking about this. I was up all night last night thinking about our students who are going to walk into their schools again tomorrow. And I think about them, as, and, I, and for whatever reason, the picture in my mind is that of walking on the water into a situation where it's not always predictable and not always easy and their hearts may be anxious, but, but I see them trusting in Jesus and taking step after step that they've never taken before that's just a step out under the water. I think this is what it looks like for us to exercise faith that would help us stand above the thing that usually sinks us. I think about our parents tomorrow, sending our kids onto the bus and same prayers for our kids. You know, you're going to have to take a step of faith, but is it a step on the water tomorrow? Are you walking with Jesus out on the thing that he's already ruling over? Think about, man, our beloved teachers going back into a school knowing the situation's happened. 
You're going to have to walk. The waters are going to be pretty wavy and choppy. Will you be responding to Jesus' call tomorrow to do it with him, to know that he's with you? And here's the thing about walking on water. You, you only can really do it when you're looking at Jesus. You know this? It's only when you sense his presence and know that he's near with you and you trust in him to be able to carry you. Because tomorrow you might get into school and, and one of the things we want to just acknowledge for our, for our teachers and for our parents and for our students is that you might look around at the waves and you might do what I'm going to show you Peter did. You might, you might have needs. You might get wary and need, need to talk about this and I could never offer a moment as a pastor more clearly to encourage you to pursue your mental health in the midst of a tragedy than you would do right now to go talk to a counselor, to take time tomorrow to actually sit with someone and process how you're feeling and say the words out loud that would be the internal waves that you feel you're, you're, you're asking God to help you rise above. Tomorrow, um, I'm so grateful for our church and for the connections we have to Olathe East because here at Heartland, we're um, gonna be serving a breakfast to all the teachers and all of the counselors who are gonna be showing up tomorrow to help out on a day back from, from a really, really big tragedy. That's the type of church we wanna be is to walk in and walk on the waves with you. And so uh, you could be praying for us tomorrow as we even enter into the space with the counselors and with the teachers. But, but I think about, about you tomorrow. You may walk on the water for a second and then realize that the waves are still there. Look at what happened to Peter. Peter walks on the water. He does the amazing thing. But, but when he saw the wind, he saw the wind just buffeting up the waves and churning it up and causing more fear and anxiety. He was afraid. How could he not be? And beginning to sink, he cried out three simple words, Lord Save me. You can sense Peter's anxiety and his fear as he's doing the impossible, but all of a sudden taking his eyes off of his Savior and seeing his situation, he starts to sink. And this is what I love about Jesus. This is the picture I want in your mind leaving here today from Harlan, watching online, wherever you are. I want you just to realize that in this moment, he cries out, Lord, save me. And all Jesus has to do is just reach out his hand. That's how close he was. Reaching out his hand, Jesus grabbed him and he caught him. And he says this thing, he says, you have little faith, why did you doubt? I love this question because it, we struggle with it. This is a tension that's, that's raised. It makes us feel like if I just have enough faith in Jesus, then I'll be able to do anything. If I just can muster up enough courage inside of myself, I'll be able to walk on water too. And so I got this. I know I got this. But you know what Jesus is really saying in this moment? He, he's not saying, Peter, you didn't have enough in you to do the thing. Like you, you were, you, the flux capacitor wasn't filled to 1.21 gigawatts. It wasn't that. It was, Peter, you put your faith in the wrong place. You have little faith. You chose a little person to put your faith in, Peter. You chose yourself. Peter, you thought that you had in you all you had to follow me. But, but what you don't realize, Peter, is that I called you out on these waves. I called you out of the boat because, look at this. I, Jesus, believe that you, Peter, can do anything if I'm with you. 
Peter, I believed in you that you could take these steps because I knew that I was with you and my presence is greater than your abilities. So Peter, why did you doubt me working in you? Why did you doubt that I believed in you? You see, our faith is that Jesus calls us out of the boat to do hard things, to show off his power in this world as we join him, as he works inside of us. See, the whole thing is what Jesus wants to show us is he, he can do amazing things through us if we let him do them. He's looking at us saying, I just want you to see what you can do when I am in you. And so we don't pretend to walk upon the waves of life with our own strength, but we look to Jesus and we say, man, Jesus, I know that I'm not enough, but I know that you have all the power in the world. You have all the authority in the world to, to save me from that which I think will wreck me. Here's the tension. Is that more than being safe, we're saved. More than being safe, we're saved. We're saved. Jesus called out to him, and caught him, and kept him. There's a tension rising in me because I get comfortable with me. I get comfortable with a lowly me. I know I'm not a water, walking dead, raising, sight restoring king. I'm just me and I tend to accept me. But Jesus doesn't want us to accept our limitations. He wants us to succeed in his power and to join him in doing what he does. He wants us to see what he can do through us. Let's wrap this up. Here's what, here's what happens at the end. When they climbed into the boat, the wind, I'm gonna put in a word here, finally died down. And those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly you are the son of God. You know, this is the last tension that I think this story pulls out for us. When we're facing the wind and the waves and the fear of life, we wonder where Jesus is. He sent us, but he's let, he's let us stall. And we've, we've realized that he's standing upon the thing which we're fighting against, but he lets us struggle. And that we walk upon the water, even though the waters rage. Here's the last thing, that I, the tension that I see is that I, I believe Jesus will bring still waters. I believe that shalom and rest and peace are possible with him. But the way it often works out in life is like this. Is that we trust that he'll still the waters. He'll still the wind. He'll still the waves. Soon. This past week, it was my son's birthday. And, um, you know, when do we open presents? Soon. When do people come over? Soon. It's right around the corner. Just hang in there. When do we cake? But when you're on a boat in the middle of the sea and you feel like you're not going anywhere and you ask the question, when is the wind gonna die down? When is Jesus gonna show up? 
When is this gonna turn out for my good? When is this gonna help me see God more clearly? When will the sun come up? When will the fog dissipate? When will my fear subside? Jesus says, I'm coming to you. I'm with you. And I'm gonna still you <laughs> soon. Which means we have all we need to get through what we're going through today. And maybe the wind's still going. Maybe the waves are still rocking the boat. Maybe you don't feel like you have it in you. That's right, you don't. But, but, but Jesus in you gives you the power and the ability to do far more than you ever thought was possible. To take steps in your life out upon the waters, as it were, of faith. To experience victory over the thing that causes you fear. So brothers and sisters, this is what I think the invitation of Jesus is for us today. It's an invitation for us to take steps, new steps in our life that we don't know that Jesus would ever let us take, that we could trust in him, and that when we sink, his hand is right there with us to catch us and to keep us safe. He'll still these waters. Maybe they're not still right now. But soon. He will. Father, we thank you for this reminder. All these tensions are struggles that we have in this life because we want you to put to rest all the fears and anxieties of this world. And Father, we think right now about our community. You know how we feel. You know what we're thinking about. You know all the hardships. God, we ask you to still the waters. We want to be the type of people, though, who walk out of the boat and onto the waves to be with you. Even when the waves are rocking us, God, we want to be with you to sense your presence and your victory. And God, I'm struck by the fact that the disciples say, truly, this was the Son of God. That something about Peter's faith and doing the thing he had never done before proved to them who you were. God, that's our big heartbeat, is that people would see through us taking step after step after step of trusting in you, that truly you are the one who reigns above it all. Truly you are the one who is in complete control of this earth and this life. And so we come to you knowing that you're the powerful one who has all things under your control. 